Welcome to this week's installment of the DNA of Creation, where we explore spiritual, practical, inspirational themes in the weekly Torah portion according to the teachings of Jewish mysticism and Hasidus. I want to share with you um, uh, an interesting idea from this week's Torah portion, Vayetze, which means literally to leave. In this week's Parsha, Yaakov, the son of Isaac and Rivka, who just received the blessings from his father in last week's Torah portion with some deception, um, has to flee to get away from his brother Esau, and also to find a wife from his kin in Haran in Syria. So he runs, he leaves the land of Israel and goes to Syria, to Haran, and there he meets Rachel, Rachel, and his cousin, and he proposes to her, and her father, Lavan, is a famous trickster, ends up swapping Rachel for Leah. In the morning, Yaakov finds out he actually married Leah, and he promises to work another seven years for Rachel, and he ends up marrying both Rachel and Leah, and they give birth to the 12 tribes of Israel. 12 sons who become the leaders of the Jewish people. And um, that's basically the theme of the Torah portion. The, according to um, Kabbalah, um, this week's Torah portion represents the exile of the Jewish people. This is the journey of leaving the land of Israel into the diaspora. And one of the ways that we notice that is that in every Torah portion there are spaces between different sections, like basically like paragraphs, where you'll have like a space for a few um, on at the end of a, a verse, like a paragraph break or a break between sentences. And this Parsha has none of those. And we find a few places in the Torah that's lacking spaces. And all of those have to do with the idea of some sort of spiritual exile. So that's exactly what the commentaries explain this week's Parsha is all about is a journey into what's called Gullus, the diaspora, leaving the land of Israel, where we somehow lose a certain space to contemplate, certain ability to connect to ourselves. As the uh, commentaries explain, the spaces in the Torah are opportunities to meditate, to internalize the messages. And when a person is in exile from their land, your land represents also yourself, so a person lacks the ability to connect in a deep way to themselves. So I want to share with you a couple of interesting things that Rashi, the most famous essential commentator on the Torah, tells us based on the Talmud in just the beginning of the Torah portion. So Yaakov, it says, the Torah says, Yaakov leaves Beersheba, he leaves Israel, and he goes to Haran. And it says on his way, he encounters the place, which is another way of referring to the place where of in Jerusalem, where the temple will eventually stand. And he ends up praying in that place because the sun set suddenly. He realized it was nightfall. And he takes some stones and he places them around his head. And he goes to sleep in that place. And that night he has a famous, famous dream. The dream of Jacob's ladder. He sees a ladder going up from that spot 
up into heaven. And he sees angels going up and down the ladder. And when he wakes up, he says, I didn't realize God was in this place. Otherwise, I wouldn't have slept here. How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven through which prayers ascend. And that's basically the story. And there are some very interesting things going on in some of the language here that Rashi explains some very weird mystical stuff going on. Number one, Rashi tells us, based on the first verse, and Yaakov left Beersheba and went to Haran. So there's a couple of things you might notice there. First of all, it seems unnecessary to tell us that Yaakov left Beersheba. Just tell us, and Yaakov went to Haran. We knew where he was coming from. We knew he left Israel. So why not just tell us where he went? Second of all, it sounds like he actually arrived. Based on the actual language of the Torah, it sounds like he arrived in Haran. And yet the next verse says he's at he's in Jerusalem. So the Talmud says that Yaakov actually arrived in Syria, in Haran. And suddenly he had a feeling of regret that he hadn't stopped off in Jerusalem at the holy spot where his father and grandfather prayed. And so... He desired to go back to Israel. And the next thing he knew, suddenly he was transported instantly to the land, back to Jerusalem. And there's different discussions in the commentaries of how to understand the Talmud. Did Jerusalem fly to him or did he fly to Jerusalem? But something magical was happening underneath him. It's like the whole Torah portion, there's these like tectonic plates and the earth is like this liquid substance that's constantly moving around. I'll show you another a few instances that we have of that. It says that Yaakov went to sleep and he took some stones, a bunch of stones, and he placed them under his head, around his head to protect himself. And when he wakes up, it says he took the stone. And again, Rashi points out that the stones were many stones and suddenly they merged into one big stone. Again, very strange liquid earth going on here. Additionally, it says that the land, God says to him in his dream, the land that you are sleeping under, that you are lying on, will be given to you. And Rashi tells us that all, the entire land he was lying on would be given to him, meaning that the entire land of Israel suddenly got folded up and stuck underneath his body. Again, very strange metaphysical thing going on here with i don't know if it's relativity or not but the space of israel is just moving constantly very interesting and i want to and another question that you know one must wonder is the talmud tells us that the three forefathers um instituted the different prayer services that we have today that avraham instituted shachris the morning prayer Yitzchak instituted Mincha, the afternoon prayer. And right here in this story where Yaakov prayed in Jerusalem at nightfall was the institution of Mariv, the evening prayer. So again, what's the connection between the evening prayer and Yaakov and this story? And finally, what's the story with these angels going up and down the ladder? So I want to try to tie it all together with just one idea that I think is... Rashi is trying to tell us. 
and that's in the very first verse. It says, and we mentioned a, a minute before that Ve'yetze Yaakov and Yaakov left Be'er Sheva. Yaakov left Israel. Why did the Torah need to tell us where he left? And Rashi tells us something very interesting. He tells us that when a righteous person, when a holy person is in is, is in a location, he has an influence on that place. He makes a difference in that place. He makes an impression, a spiritual impression, impression on the actual place. And when he leaves, he takes with him something from that place. The place is different now. That the places that we go, we have an impact, we have an influence on those places. The Baal Shem Tov explains, founder of the Hasidic movement, that when you find yourself traveling, you should always be aware that the places that you go are not coincidental. That our souls have a certain connection to the material world. The food that we eat, there are actually sparks of godliness, of spirituality inside that food that are directly related to our soul. And that when we eat that food, we have the ability to elevate and lift up those sparks of spirituality that's hidden inside that food. So, so too, when you find yourself in a place, you actually have the ability to lift up and influence that place. When you think positive thoughts, when you do positive actions, when you do mitzvahs, when you learn Torah, when you pray, you actually have the ability to influence the spirituality of that very location. You ever hear of a place, you ever go somewhere? Where you suddenly feel like there's like there's good vibes in this place. It feels good. There's a there's a certain uplifting feeling, or or on the contrary, you go to another place. You're like there's something negative here. Something doesn't feel right. I just spoke to somebody yesterday for the first time who told me that he grew up uh, a, an atheist Russian Jew, and when he went to Israel for the first time, he decided that he cannot be an atheist any longer because he felt something. He felt a tremendous spiritual energy and many almost everyone on all the trips i've led to israel feels something when they go there there's something unique about the land something very special about it and in part largely due to all of the incredible acts of spirituality that were done in that land make an influence and impact on the land itself so i think that's what rashi is trying to tell us that we have the ability to change nature we have the ability to influence not only those around us but even the very physical nature of the place down to the very stones that Yaakov was on his way for the first time leaving the land of Israel he'd never done that before Yitzchak his father never left the land of Israel so they'd been here for quite some time and he was journeying out of the land of Israel to a place of uncharted territory to a place that did not have the same spiritual level. And he was going to have many hardships over there. And I think the message is that as he leaves the land of Israel, he suddenly misses Israel. He misses that spiritual connection that he felt in the land of Israel. He didn't realize how special it was in Israel the whole time he was there. He'd never left. But as soon as he left, he said, I can't believe it. I can't believe I passed Jerusalem and didn't take another opportunity to connect. And immediately, he's teleported to Israel, or Israel comes to him, depending on how you understand the verse. And the Talmud, it shows that there's this magical ability that we have to transport ourselves to the Holy Land based on our desires. The Baal Shem Tov teaches that spiritual redemption... Right? The Jewish people have been praying for 
2,000 years to go back to the land of Israel, that we should be redeemed and all of us, our entire nation, every single one, should go back to our land. And of course now it's easier than ever before for Jews to live in Israel, but still half of the Jewish nation is in the diaspora, if not more. So we have this desire to go to something, a state called the redemption of the Jewish people. And the Baal Shem Tov says, really, there's an individual redemption that can take place in each and every one of us, and that is in our own spiritual awareness. That we have the ability, wherever we are, to live in the land of Israel, because the state of Israel is not a physical state, it's a state of mind. We have the ability to live in a world of spirituality, or we have the ability to live in a world of exile. And that really, truly means exile from ourself, from our true self. So Yaakov shows us that when he goes into the land of Israel, a place that's in some ways devoid of spirituality, God is much more present in the land of Israel. It's much more easy to tap in to spirituality in the land of Israel, even though God is everywhere. But the Torah is telling us, no, on the contrary. We have the ability to bring Israel to us or to transport ourselves to Israel whenever we want. We can develop that spiritual connection just with our thoughts and our desire. And that's the message of the entire land of Israel is sucked underneath him, is flying to Israel, Israel's flying to him. And that's really the idea of these angels. The Torah tells us that the angels, it first says the angels are going up the ladder and coming down. And Rashi points out that sounds strange because the angels come from up. They come from this spiritual heavenly realm. They should be coming down first and then going up. And he explains, Rashi explains that it's the angels of Israel going up and new angels coming down because the angels literally surround us and guide us on our journeys through life. We're never alone. So I believe that's the message of Mariv, of the nighttime prayer, is to bring light into the darkness. We have that uh, very intention with the holiday of Hanukkah that's coming up soon, the idea of lighting candles in the darkness, in the dark of winter, when the nights are the longest, when when we're cold and things seem dark, We have the ability to light up the darkness with our mitzvahs, with our spiritual acts, with our meditation. We can literally transform the darkness into light. And it's the same idea of going into exile outside the land of Israel. We have the ability to transform what's called Chutz La'aretz, the land outside Israel, into the level of Israel. And in this land of exile, where Yaakov encounters many stones, those stones become one. Because that is the mission of the Jewish people, to reveal the unity that's underlying and hidden within the multiplicity of this world. And precisely in that darkness, Yaakov builds the future of the Jewish people. The 12 tribes are born in the world of exile outside the land of Israel, because that is where we have the ability to build. You don't need to live in Israel, although it's a wonderful mitzvah to live in Israel, but you do not need to live in Israel to connect to God. God is everywhere, and that is the mission statement of the Jewish people, is to reveal that God is everywhere. In every experience, in every place, there is the opportunity to connect. And that's what Yaakov says, I didn't realize that God was in this place that this too is holy ground. So 
my blessing to all of us is that we have the ability to connect in whatever situation we find ourselves in life, whether we're in a time of sunrise or a time of darkness. We have the ability to find the kernel of unity, the kernel of hope, the kernel of meaning in that experience and to recognize that so too, even in this place, even in this place of exile, even in this place of disconnection, we have the ability to connect to God, the ability to connect to our true selves. I want to wish you all a beautiful Shabbos. Thank you so much for listening.